Hey guys, welcome to the Wine and Shine podcast. This is Liz here. Just wanted to give and me. You- <laughs> I was going to do it by myself. Oh, I'm here too, guys. Hey. <laughs> Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We've got Liz here and Nina. She just laughed because in our previous introduction, which I flubbed, I just was like, Liz here, screw Nina. And I was not happy that she was about to do a solo intro. I am also here ready to talk with our listeners. We have an important announcement and that is that this episode that you're going to listen to with Michelle Bobrow is super, super awesome. The content there, I immediately went home and started implementing it and- have been doing really, really well just in the couple weeks since we recorded this. Wanted to let you know that Skype sometimes is the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, The only problems that we've ever had with our audio, full disclosure, our audio team is the finest audio team. Pretty much the best. I love them so much. They are. The Skype team is not my favorite. Their stuff together. So in this episode, just to let you know, want to warn you up front, there's a little crackling that we don't usually have in the quality of our episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit of in and out as well. But the the conversation was so organic and so good that I don't feel like it would be authentically recreated. And so I would hate to deprive you guys of that. So just bear with it. Know that it's coming but still the content is there for a really, really, really great episode Mm -hmm. with Michelle. So I just wanted to warn you. Yep. You guys will still enjoy the episode just in case you're listening and wondering what is up with their audio today. That is what is up. Yeah. So boo Skype, but yay, Michelle. And yay for this episode. Today, we are talking about something that is very, very near and dear to my heart. It marries two of my passions— it marries, um, obviously you guys know that I work in the financial sector. I'm very excited about seeing people achieve financial freedom because I think it's a key to our health. And we'll talk about this in the episode. And then I'm also obviously interested in wellness and how we can be kinder to ourselves and let go of black and white thinking, lots of things that I'm working on personally. So this episode is with Michelle Bobrow of The Holistic Wallet. And in it, we're gonna talk all about how like what financial coaching is mm-hmm. and how that can be a important part of your life in terms of how you handle your finances and what your mindset is around finances. Yeah, it makes so much sense when you think about financial health and holistic health being so correlated and the fact that mindset really makes all of the difference. I think a lot of times, like you said, we have this black and white thinking when it comes to our health or we're good at this, we're not good at this, or... I'm just not a money person. I'm bad with money. Yeah, exactly. And that's just not the case. And we also have so many preconceptions about how we should handle our money, whether that's the way we grew up or just the beliefs that we're holding at the moment. And really truthfully, there's no rules and we need to start breaking those down. Like, of course, yes, there's like goals that you're going to have financially and you want to be well and you want to be safe and you want to be comfortable. Like no one's going to condone making $10,000 a year and buying a 
$90,000 car. Yeah. Like, no one's going right. to condone that. Right. There are rules and guidelines. But that's also but, but that's also the same <laughs> idea as in like, you're not going to eat, pe- you don't want to eat pizza every single day. Like, right. you're not going to feel well if you make $10,000 a year and buy a no. $90,000 car. You'll look great. You'll look great. <laughs> Driving up in your car. As opposed to eating pizza every day, you will not look or feel great unless you have a pretty stellar metabolism. <laughs> but this is off topic. We digress. The fact of the matter is it all comes down to mindset, just like in health. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes with your finances. Yeah. So we're going to bring the personal back in personal finance and have this awesome chat with Michelle. Yes. But before we get started, we have a few announcements. Mm-hmm. We have an event coming up with we do. us and our two past guests, Julie Wino and Ashley Rector of Harness Magazine. That will be held at Lit Life Yoga on April 20th. So check us out online for information on tickets and how you can attend. We've got swag bags. We've got Gift meditation, giveaways. journaling. We've got yoga. We've got a live podcast. We've got juice. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. All we of have the candles. We've got we everything. Have coupons. <laughs> We've got coupons. Come for the coupons. Um, guys, Do you say coupons? Do you really say coupons? I don't say coupons. <laughs> Who says, do you say coupons? Say coupons. It is not coupon. It is coupon. <laughs> guys, get at us on social. Is it coupon or is it coupon? We are going to put up a survey when the episode comes out. We always say we're going to do, do things. Do you say Groupon? Or do you say Groupon? Ooh, I say Groupon. Do you mm. say milk or milk? Milk. like Pillow a, or pillow? Like a normal human caramel being. Caramel or caramel. There's so many versions of this game we could play. <laughs> Get to us on social. What do you say? <laughs> um, but no, guys, this event's going to be pretty awesome. I'm so excited about it. And it's going to be at Lit Life Yoga, which is just a, such a gorgeous space. It's a new studio that opened up in Italian Village. And you should come to check it out. Check us out. And that event will be up on Eventbrite sometime soon. Yeah, if it's not already. Yeah, so we'll let you know. Um, Other than that, I have a personal workshop that's a couple weeks before that on April 7th at Namaste in Love. And that is in Gahanna. And it's going to be all about stress and digestive health and learning some practical tools to deal with that and also heal the body, heal our adrenals and get our body back into a happy balance. Yeah, so lots of events coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you know, we're on social. Like, I'm just going to plug the Wine and Shiners real quick. Like, yes. Hop wine in that shiners. group. Let's chat. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have, of course, our Patreon account and would love your support. If you'd like to be a Patreon and support the podcast in that way, you can go to wineandshinepodcast.com. Wait, got that backwards. <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Just, I like plugging our URL. What can I say? <laughs> go to the website too. It's Go there too. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's all our announcements for today. And so we hope you feel really financially well after you listen to this podcast with Michelle Bobrow of The Holistic Wallet. We are excited today to talk with Michelle Bobrow of The Holistic Wallet all about our finances, but in kind of a different way. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've had one person on the show to talk about financial health. And I know like me and Liz talk about finances like, a the, lot. Yeah. Like maybe too much sometimes. Like we're always talking about, well, well, one, I mean, you're going into financial coaching yourself. So you're very- Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You're very into that world. So I feel like the two of us are very open about talking with each other about our finances, but a lot of times it's a difficult subject to bring up and to share. And so having an expert on the podcast is perfect because we can ask all of our questions and <laughs> you'll have all of the brilliant answers. 
hopefully. Yes. <laughs> so can you talk to our audience a little bit about how you got into financial coaching and what you do? How I got into this, I'm still kind of figuring that out. I sometimes feel like I just woke up one morning and was like, how did I get here? <laughs> but it, the, I'll start with the end of the story, which is basically that like I learned that you can't earn your way out of bad financial habits. Mm. So I started, I was in college during the financial collapse and I graduated into the Great Recession and I had degrees in women's studies and sociology, which is, I'm not sure plans were, but I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed my study, but I wasn't sure like what my career aspirations actually were. Mm -hmm. But while I was in college, I was working at a boutique bank. So it wasn't like a big bank. It wasn't like one of the evil banks that like everyone hated, but it was still a bank. It was still the financial industry. And I was working in capital markets, which was the essentially the ground zero of the collapse where like all all broke loose. Mm -hmm. And I was, so like being in there at such like an early age and like I, I worked my way up the ladder just from out of necessity and um, opportunity. I learned a lot about that. So like a lot of what I do is both like a personal thing and a political thing. And that like the the political piece of it is that like, I think we all kind of felt um, taken advantage of during the collapse mm -hmm. and, and in the recession and everything. And, and it was really scary and we didn't, it was like a really vulnerable time. And my goal during that time, especially having the opportunity that I was able to work, go from like, a, I was offered a full-time position. And then I eventually wound up in middle management by the time and like in my mid twenties. And my main goal was like to be as financially enlightened or empowered mm -hmm. to not be a victim of what went down during the collapse. Mm -hmm. And I got a little obsessed with personal finance. Like mm -hmm. you talk, you say that you guys talk about it a lot. Like I, I got a little obsessive with it. I got, I went from like, cause I was like before the collapse, I was like very shopaholic. Like I'll figure this stuff out later. Like take out student loans. I don't care what the payments are. Mm -hmm. um, credit cards. Like I'll figure that out later. Like the money will come and didn't. <laughs> so um, I mean, it, eventually it did, but right. like it was, there was a lot of stress in between those mm -hmm. two points. So I kind of just, it just started from like a place of me wanting to know these things. As I worked my way up the ladder and I was like in middle management, I was surrounded by, it was mostly women, which was cool. Mm -hmm. They all out earned me and they still were like up to their ears in debt, like mm -hmm. stressed about their, like stressed about money, um, handcuffed to their jobs because they didn't think they could get a, a, a as good a paying a job elsewhere. And I was like, wow, like this doesn't change as you get older. Like this isn't, and everyone yeah. knew, like we all were in the industry. We knew what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And yet they were still doing what you're you know, not supposed to do. And that's kind of how I got into like the mindset work and like the mm -hmm. psychology piece behind uh, finance and, and the whole coaching piece, rather than just like the strategy logic stuff, because that stuff is essentially useless without the right mindset and the right like empowering mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I mentioned on my call with you that like intuitive eating stuff, mm -hmm. which has really shifted my mindset in that you realize that culture that's created that we have here is kind of like a very black and white extreme culture. And mm -hmm. so it's like, I, I'll use food as an example, which I shared this with you. It's yeah. either like people are dieting and they're starving themselves mm -hmm. and then they have binges and then there's a lot of shame. And then they say, I'm never going to do this again. And they go back to dieting and starving themselves and that's not healthy. But we do the same thing with money. 
And that's totally okay. You know, people are like, oh, I spent too much going out to eat this weekend. I'll just, I'll be good next weekend. And it's the same struggle, but just a different way of seeing it. I didn't even realize that I did that until Liz brought it up to me. So like, again, we talk about finances all the time. And then we also talk about health all the time. And so I would be over here, like giving you advice on like eating and like, Liz, don't think of it that way. Like it's not so black and white. And then we were having a discussion and she was like, dude, like you're doing exactly what I do with food, but with money. And I was like, light bulb, you're so right. I'm exactly (laughs) like, oh, I'll get back on track on Monday or like next month I'll be better. And that's exactly how like it is with health and food. They're so related. Yeah. Do you think there's a reason that I don't want to say it's like short-term thinking, but is there a reason that people, like what have you found as you work with people on changing their mindset? Like, is there something driving that kind of behavior? Yeah. So it's funny. I think, I mean, it goes into the whole habits piece Mm -hmm. um, and recreating, like turning bad habits into good habits or like not even bad habits, but like habits you don't want into habits you do want. Because I don't, like, again, that goes back to, and white thinking. Mm-hmm. Someone's bad habit might be someone else's good habit. Right. But I think like you know, we have this expectation that like people who do the things that we want to be doing just have more willpower than us. Mm. And it's not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of like knowing what's on the other side, like what you're striving for and that outweighing whatever like costs or, or struggle there is in the present. Mm-hmm. So like I think, you know, we look at people like, wow, they can save so much money or they can not eat so many potato chips or they can like go to the gym five times a week. And we're like, wow, they're so like so much willpower, but it isn't willpower. It's just they, they're doing what they want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're the one that's not going to the gym five times a week, you're not the one who's putting money into your uh, savings account regularly or paying off debt consistently. It's not that like, that you don't have willpower or that, that, that there's like, something wrong. It's that like you aren't fully buying in to like what's there. Like when you get to that point, what you're actually achieving then. Mm-hmm. Like knowing exactly what that looks like. And I, I mentioned, I think with, uh, I work with identity goals rather than performance goals. Whereas like identity goals is like what you, what your life looks like when you reach this and how you mm-hmm. feel as a person and how you um, behave, like what your, what your routine is like on like a daily or weekly monthly basis, rather than like a performance goal of like, I only ate fruit and vegetables for this, this weekend, or like I only ate, uh, or I, I went to the gym five times a week and like crossing off these metrics. Whereas like when we have this identity goal and like we know what that, what that looks like for us and who we want to be those metrics just kind of fall into mm. place and and we just wind up reaching them like not effortlessly because there is an effort like you have to consciously purposefully like re, you know stop the, the thoughts that would keep you from doing those good habits or mm-hmm. ideal habits in the past but like it's it's a little more streamlined of a process there's a little more flow with that because you know what you're what you're getting on the like at the edge line so to speak yeah Yeah. And that reminds me of what I talk to with my clients. It's all about, I'm always saying, well, how do you want to feel? Mm. Like when you envision the best version of yourself, what does that person look like? What does that person feel like? What does that person wear? And then like you, it's, see, I'm making all these connections after the fact. And then that makes 
waking up and having like a high protein, high fat, healthy diet, and then ditching the third cup of coffee. Like it makes those things easier because Mm -hmm. like you said, there's this end goal. It doesn't feel like restriction or deprivation at that point. It's like, I'm moving forward like fearlessly so that I can be the person that I know I'm meant to be. Yeah. And it's funny, like when, when it comes to like that feeling of like, like when it comes to like, we, we want to feel wealthier. Yeah. Right. So it comes, so like, that's usually like what drives like impulse spending because like we want to acquire these things that like make us feel like we have a lot of like abundance and like mm-hmm. that we have like a lot of prosperity and that kind of stuff. But then after the fact, like when we get the credit card bill in the mail, like that's when we no longer feel very abundant. We feel very like there's a lot of yeah. lack and scarcity. Whereas like by, attaching yourself to that feeling of wealth in the future or even in the present of like, I want to feel wealthy. So like, I'm going to hold on to my money rather than this thing, this object that I think is going to make me feel wealthy, but then won't in the future. And it's, and it really like that whole reframe comes with experience. Like Mm -hmm. it comes from like buying the thing and then realizing later that, that you didn't get the feeling that you wanted to get out of it. And then being like, okay, like now I, but like consciously learning that. And then the next time that comes up, you're like, oh no, because the last time I bought 17 shirts from Target, well, that actually did not make me feel very mm-hmm. wealthy or didn't make me feel like the person that I am trying to grow into. Yeah. Right. Makes total sense. So how, what does it look like if someone is spending, because I feel like this kind of goes into values because values are obviously a part of our identity. What does it look like if someone is spending for their values? Yeah. So it, like, I, I, I struggle with that too. Like, like wanting to buy, like I'm eco-conscious. Mm-hmm. So like, I want to buy the recycled paper towels and like the, the non-bleached stuff and, mm-hmm. and like the reusable water bottle and like a reusable water bottle for me is the worst investment because I lose them. Mm. So I'm trying to so I'm just buying more. I'm like, I'd be better off buying the recyclable disposable one than, but anyway, but so it, it, now they have water in a box. Yeah, oh yeah. Boxed water. They yeah. send, they give those out at bar in New Albany. At first I was like, what is this juice box of water? I'm so confused. I'm just trying to think at the bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think logistically. Like I think of like water and cardboard and I feel like, how does it, st- how does it not like leak? I'm very intrigued, but. Yeah. That might be the solution to your problem. It might be. <laughs> but yeah, that's such a good question, Liz. I was thinking about the same thing. Like when you're trying to... It's like struggle with spending money on things that you deem important, but also like, should I not be... Don't, not wasting, but should I not be spending money on things when there's a less expensive option, yeah. I guess. So there's like... So there's two... Like you don't have to do everything at once. It's kind of like the way that I approach it. So like... If you have an option to choose between the bad for the environment object and like the good, the better for the environment object, like if the price point works for you, then go for it. But like, like I I say, like you don't have to do everything at once. Like you don't have to like clean out your pantry and like get all organic Mm -hmm. fair trade food. Like you can like transition to that over time. The same thing goes like when you're working at a job and your job is blind with your values and but you're like saving up to leave your job. And it's like, you don't have to leave the job right away. Like saving up to leave that job is as good as leaving the job. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so it's just a matter of like trying to not do everything at once. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so hard for like an impulsive person like me and you, Liz. So, so it's just a matter of like, like choosing 
like being like, like how important is this to me now? And like, like just knowing like every little baby step counts. Mm -hmm. So like, you don't have to do everything at once, pace yourself. And then like, and like, then one day you'll look back and be like, oh, look at all the Wonderful thing that I saved or something. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's the balance? Because I'm just thinking about the the leaving the job example. Like, I feel like there's a fine line between being responsible and being fearful and saying like, oh, if I just wait until I have like $60,000 in savings, that will be the moment when I leave. I'm trying yeah. to think of what else you would do that yeah. for, but the job's just an easy example for me to think of. Yeah. So I think, so that's kind of like what I did where I set a goal where I was like, all right, when I'm debt free and I have 12 months of living expenses and savings, like then I'll take the leap, then mm-hmm. I'll go. And then one day I reached that goal. And I was like, oh, like, am I supposed to quit my job now? Because like I had like, like a, well, I won like a, a lemon lawsuit against my car manufacturer. So like I got a lump sum and I was like, oh, I'm here. Like, so I guess I have to leave now. And it was kind of like that moment of truth of like, okay, like, do I really want to stay and earn more? Because I I was nervous and I was anxious about the whole thing. But it was like, I had set this goal in Mm -hmm. advance and like said, like, this is it. And then if I wasn't going to leave then, then like there was something else behind that. Mm -hmm, And and there was some other feeling that was I was going to have to deal with. But I I did leave. And So what is the safety net that you should go by if you're trying to do a transition like that? It varies by everyone. So there's no like, I wish there, like, I, I wanted like a formula. Like yeah. I wanted something to be like, okay, like once I, like this is safe enough. It was basically like, I made it, I, I like made it up. Mm-hmm. I, and um and it was like, this is my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that like, I still hadn't mastered my spending. Like I knew that like, there were going to be business investments that I didn't account for when I was like starting to like really grow my business full time. That I knew that there were going to be business investments uh, like opportunities and stuff that came up that I was gonna have to pay money for yeah. that I didn't budget for. So like 12 months, you know, like I knew it was really more like nine months or mm-hmm. like eight months, but like, it's really just a matter of your comfort zone. Like, like there are times when I was like, cause I had, I was still paying off my student loans. So like a couple months before I left my job, I had $8,000 left in student loans. And I wound up like paying that eight, like that last $8,000 off in full. Wow. And I remember like sitting like, I, mean, I was like really miserable at my job then. So I was <laughs> like, I need something to like show for this. Yeah. Like I need, so like that was like an impulse thing where I just like paid off the 8,000. Yeah. Was also like, well, maybe I'll just keep making that payment um, and keep that 8,000 in my savings account. Like, and yeah. I, and I was like, and I, I did it mostly because like, it was an ego thing. Like mm-hmm. I wanted just to be able to say that I had paid off my student mm-hmm. loans and that like, I was miserable. Like I wanted something like to show for it mm-hmm. because- a job just wasn't as enjoyable as it had been as I previous seven years I had been there. Mm-hmm. So like that was like the emotional feelings thing behind it. But when it comes to like every like everyone has a different comfort zone. Like I'm single. I was single at the time. Like I was like one income. Yeah. But I also like it, I knew like I could I had my parents. Like I could if I like worst case like if I like moved in with my parents I'd be okay. Like I kind of knew like what my risk tolerance was, and the same thing goes with like investing. Like you, like knowing your risk tolerance. Like I know people in in industry who have left like with no money in savings, nothing but like a credit card, like renting like big obligations to pay for, and wow. like sometimes they did it or they didn't do it. But like 
they just had a higher risk tolerance yeah. than I did. I think it just goes to kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like you do what you want to do mm-hmm. when you're looking at something like leaving a job or whatever the big financial thing is, you're going to make it work if that's what your value is. And if that's what you're passionate about, like you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think like there's a lot of anxiety around this and the way that, and I've struggled with anxiety like my whole life. The most liberating thing in this is like, and I'm like the money person. I'm not supposed to be like advocating this stuff, but like we have no idea like what's going to happen. Like we have no control over the future. So like, and life is short. And like, like, so like, while that, like, that's kind of like a scarcity thing that we don't have enough time. You have like, we, we have enough time. We don't have to do everything, but like, we have to do what's most important to mm-hmm. us. I totally agree. And that's kind of like where, like, I remember I had a, like one of my first clients was becoming a health coach and she was an accountant and she had like a really comfortable salary and she had, um, she didn't have much in savings and she had some money in a 401k and she was like, I'm taking out this money out of my 401k and I'm going to pay the penalty on it and I'm going to, and I'm going to invest in my business. And I was like, ah, like, like, like the, the logic piece of me is like, that's a really bad idea. Like you're, like you're losing all this money and all the, the money you can earn on this over time. But she was doing what she really wanted to mm-hmm. do. And like, and I, and like, we, we keep in touch. That was like three or four years ago. And she has like a really successful health yeah. coaching practice now. And I'm like, I'm so glad that like, I didn't like, cause in, inside of me, I was like, totally like, don't do this. Yeah. Like this is going to blow up in your face. I just, you know, I was there to support her mm-hmm. and I was able to, and to see her now, I'm like, so glad I didn't like stand in the way of that yeah. because, because she did like, she, she really did a great job at, at transitioning and a much higher risk tolerance than than I would have been comfortable. I feel like this is all on a, I feel like the theme is just black and white thinking. And because I feel like in a financial situation, if you sat down with any financial planner, it's like 100% of the time that is wrong. Like Mm -hmm. it's the wrong choice every time, all the time. And it's not like, as you just said, it's not the case. There's flexibility there. There's sometimes where that is the right choice for that person. So do you see in the financial industry or like with the financial advice that's given to people, do you see, we talk about that as being a very masculine mindset. We talk about masculine mm-hmm. and feminine energy a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as being a masculine trait of how we view money? Yes, totally. I think, mm-hmm. and I I was ranting to a friend of mine recently about the phallic nature of line graphs. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this, like, this is BS. But I, I, I'm more of like, um, where I think like like masculinity is very like linear and like progress and has to keep improving, improving. Yeah. And like, whereas like our financial lives don't work like that. Like there's an ebb and flow, like tides Everything has an ebb and cycles. flow. And like, so yeah, so you're spending money and like, you're going to bring in money again. Like yes. it's going, like you're going to, money's going to go out, money's going to come back in. And we have like, we get so, like we, we get so focused on that masculinity of like, it's only supposed to go in one direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, when we have like $5,000 in the bank and then it goes down to 3000 we start like freaking out. We think that we're really bad people and that we made a mistake and that we're not doing well enough. It's going to go back up to five. That Like you have to be conscious. You have to be working on things and you have to be bringing in money and, and monitoring your spending, of course. But like that money's going to come back. Like it's just like you still have the, the, the power to choose where that money's coming and going mm-hmm. and how it's coming and going to a certain degree, like you're, you can only control your actions. You can't control the forces outside of you. But like, but I see it as more of like a cyclical thing. And when you see it that way, it just like takes the pressure off. That is the 
best thing anyone's ever said to me in my entire life. Was that statement (laughs) right there? Like 800 pounds of weight just flew off of my shoulders when you said that. Not sorry to interrupt you. but, But when you're trying to make a big transition in your life, and like I said, you know, when you're very comfortably making a salary, it feels scary to be like, I may not be making as much for a little while, but you're right. Like that's okay because it'll come back. If you dip for a little bit, it doesn't mean you're going to like crumble and be homeless in a year. And I feel like you're you're so right where we think, okay, like I'm 29, I'm about to be 30. I should be going up, Checking up, up, the up, boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you're going up, up, up and then take a teeny step back down so that you can keep yeah. excelling, you know? Yeah. I feel like too, that whole, when you talked about linear and like be better, be better, be better, I feel like that mindset, or at least for me, and I've been working a lot on um, to talk about perfectionism and my perfectionist habits. Like it was the, like, I'm such a perfectionist. It's just my high standards. It's, it's your identity. Yeah. Right. And I've been doing a lot of work because I've realized how all of my problems stem from that desire to be perfect, which is not attainable. And I think that growth mentality of like more, 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 got to keep improving, got to keep raising that savings balance or pay off that debt or whatever, yes. 100% without any change, it creates a lot of shame when you totally. inevitably can't be better, better, better 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that the way people are brought up really truly affects their financial mindset because my husband and me have two different financial mindsets. They're they're merging now, but the way that I grew up and the way that he grew up was very different in that. And so I, I have a lot of shame around finances because I feel like, oh, I used to be really good and this is what I need to be. And this is, I don't spend, I need to be frugal. And then a part of me is like, well, wait a minute, like maybe I need to break that down a little bit. And I think it's about, I think it's because of how I grew up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's totally, I mean, we have so much baggage around money. Like it's, yeah. it will take our whole lives to get through and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. But, and it's funny, like what you mentioned relationships, because I think from what, from what I see is that like, we all kind of are attracted to like our opposite in a way Yeah, where like, so, and so, and finances are such a big source of conflict in relationships. Mm-hmm. And it, there's usually like the spender and the saver. And it's not like, like the the saver might not be like a total saver, but he, mm-hmm. he or she is more of a saver than yes. the other person. So there's there's that piece. But like, there's so much that we take from our parents or our friends or like like the way that, how we felt about our clothes compared to our friends' clothes or what our parents were able to afford and, and what we got for birthday gifts compared to our friends or our classmates or our camp friends or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's just so many experiences that we've had around money that like imprint imprint themselves in our in our habits and our, our memories and stuff that like it's really just a matter of like noticing something like like it's it's and it and we can't be conscious 24/7 like we like we but like a little piece at, at a time is it's going like you're going to chip away at like these old limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and, and and destructive beliefs and like recreate new more constructive. What are the most common limiting beliefs that you see in your clients or in society around money? I think it's, there's a lot of like not having enough or not yeah. being the enough. The lack mindset. Yeah. yeah. And also being too much. So like, I think, so like I, I have a lot of clients who the, the theme I see is like, they want to feel more at ease. They want like spaciousness. They yes. want to like relax more. And these are the same people who like, it's like, like shopping is like a task to complete and they keep filling their time with like 
a bunch of things to do or like activities. So it's like, oh, I have to go on this retreat. I have to do this uh, yoga certification or I have to um, take uh, my, my kid needs these three hobbies to enroll in. And it's like, and it's like, well, I have to get all these things like, uh, like, cause otherwise I'm not a good enough parent or I'm not a good enough wife or I'm not a good enough person. I'm not like working on myself enough. I'm, but like, we keep packing all these things into our time and all these things cost money. They yeah. cost time and they cost resources and stuff. And it's like, and it's, and it's hard to like, especially as women, because we're like the caretakers and, and we have like that identity in us. So like, we don't, a lot of our, like I, a lot of clients come to me, they're like, I'm not going, I'm not like indulging myself all the time, but like I make really good money and I don't know where it's going. And it's like, Sounds like well, yeah, myself. like your kid signed up for soccer and violin and, um, and you are going to yoga and you have a personal trainer and your partner has a personal trainer. Like, and like you're doing all these things and you, and you want more space, but you're doing all these things. So like maybe down to one hobby one physical fitness thing and like you have more space in your life and then you also like save more money because you're not like filling in like oh like how many times do we think like oh I need paper towels and then we go to Target and it's like an hour later and you have three hundred dollars worth of merchandise that's why I don't in your go cart. to Target. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's, why I don't go to, that's why I don't go to Whole Foods anymore because I'm like, I just need a box of pasta. And then I come out with like 18 energy bars, the latest kombucha, and I spend like seven hundred dollars <laughs> at Whole Foods. Yeah. It's so dangerous. It but. sounds a lot like in that way when you say, Okay, I'm gonna value my kid having experiences, but we're gonna limit you know, how many he or she is doing. It sounds a lot like setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. And you're doing the same thing with your, you know, I value health and wellness. So I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to go to yoga a set amount of time, but maybe I'm not going to work with the yoga instructor personally like I have or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so hard because I do the same thing with health and wellness because I'm very, like one of my values is I am going to buy the highest quality food. Like that's just something that's really important to me. But in addition to buying the highest quality food, I'm also going to have a yoga package. And I'm also going to go acupuncture if I want to. And I'm also going to schedule massages. And hey, if I'm going to try Reiki, I'm going to do that too. And then I do the same thing. And I'm like, Cody, why? <laughs> where's all our money this month? He's like, it's well, going to Reiki. <laughs> you went to acupuncture three times and also yeah. have a yoga. Da, 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 da. And yeah. I think it's a good way to like take a step back and think, well, how can you pick one or two of those things and maybe even rotate things? Mm-hmm. Because for me, I could very well do Reiki one month and yoga the next month and rotate these things. And I'm not doing it all at once. Mm-hmm. Even though in the moment, I'm like, I must do all these things. Yeah. But. Yeah. And it, and it gets like, and I have, like I see something where it's like, you have to be an expert in something. Yeah. Where it's like, you have to invest in the training. And it's like, you have to be the best. And it's like, no, like you can do yoga in your sweatpants, like on your living room floor, mm-hmm. like on YouTube, it's the same as like going to this, like, yes, you're not like, I, I know that going to the studio, the instructor's going to adjust you. And, but like at the end of the day, like you still did a physical activity. Like you stretched yourself, you pushed yeah. yourself. Like you didn't do, like I stopped going to yoga when I had a, a instructor tell me that like, there's no perfect way to do this pose. And I was like, oh, well, if that's the case. Then I'm doing this on my own. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, and like, that just was something that like I do, like, and it's, it saves me time. I don't have the commuting time. I don't have to worry about how I look. I don't mm-hmm. have to like, like shave my legs before, you know. I <laughs> oh my God, I Liz had a bad experience with that once. <laughs> yeah. The biggest fear came true. I didn't shave them. And you were like, oh, the instructor's a grabber. And I thought she was being sarcastic. 
and he was not. He grabbed my ankles so many <laughs> and, times. And like pulled them down for downward dog. And I was like, shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. How about like all of the times I've forgotten to shave my legs and I go in for a massage. Now I'm just like, just enjoy what? it. Just yeah. enjoy the stubble. They've seen worse. <laughs> They've seen yeah. worse. I'm not a hairy 80-year-old man, you know? <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Like you don't have everything all at once. And like for me in the yoga situation, I enjoy the experience. So I enjoy going to the, the studio and whatever. But maybe I also could enjoy making my own green tea at home as opposed to buying Starbucks. You know, mm-hmm. like there's other things that you can choose to do that doesn't have to be all out all of the time. And I think that's the empowering piece too of like t- like reclaiming your power in that way of being like, I can do this on my own. Yeah. Because I think like that's a big a big feminine thing too that like we need like the permission from everyone else or we, we need um, the approval. We need the guidance from everyone else. We're like, we know a lot. Like oh, we're yeah. not like, we're really intuitive. And, and we're like, we, we know. We are the most intuitive. If I do say so myself, <laughs> women yeah. are very intuitive. <laughs> so like we, like we kind of got this covered. So it's yeah. like, but, but we've been, you know, conditioned for centuries to not believe that. So right. it's, so it's hard, but like, but it's really cool to be like, I'm going to do this on my own and I'm going to be the leader on this. And I'm going to say what's good enough and what's, what's not. And, and that's um, addictive almost mm-hmm. where you're like, once you like get into that, into the swing of being like, ah, I'm doing this instead. And like, I'm being the leader on this. Like when all my friends are like buying the $6 lattes, like, and I'm the one buying like the iced coffee. Mm-hmm. It's not that like, you can't have that latte. It's like, just you don't have to have them all the time or you don't like and it's like what's like is it more important to you to like fit in with your friends like is that your number one value or is like is your number one value like sticking to your spending allowance for the week so that like you can leave your job Mm -hmm. or you can you know take that take the yoga classes or or whatever it is Mm -hmm. without like stressing yourself that that you're not gonna have enough money at the end of the month to pay for everything I get so mad the latte thing and the avocado toast thing really grind my gears. Also, Sorry. I spent $15 on this on the way here. No, I don't want you to pay me back. It's just funny that she says that because, of course, I have to stop, get a matcha latte and a, some green juice for our podcast. And then $15 later, I'm like, well, what I just, is your life? I think there's something to be said about I really should sometimes have the latte and you should have the avocado avocado toast because right. if that brings you joy to cut it out completely like what's your quality of life then right you don't want to be the old, like like the person who's like i mean i don't know maybe like there is someone out there whose life revolves around lattes like that they that's their number one thing <laughs> and that's okay like there's nothing wrong with that like if that's your big Jam. shiny thing in life yeah like then go for it but it's just a, like I don't, because a lot of, we do that with women a lot. Like, oh, the, the, mani, pe, mani, the mani pedis are really yeah. expensive and all the makeup's expensive. And like, we make fun of, we mock women for it's those It's more expensive to be a woman. I'm, yeah, it's it, truly, it, yeah, yeah. Makeup, like, there's all sorts of stuff guys don't yeah. have to buy. Yeah, if you to want to do that. Tampons. Right. If, because right. I just made a conscious choice. Yeah, well, 
What Lola tampons, this is not sponsored, although I have reached out to them and have not gotten sponsored. (laughs) Lola tampons are the shit and they're $10 a month, but you, I, you get so many wonderful boxes of organic tampons and just a little putting that out there. Good job on that one. You're welcome. Good sponsorship. (laughs) Um, What was I just going to say? Oh my goodness. Oh, I have just decided that I'm not getting manicures anymore. I'm like, you know, this is dumb. I hate this weird self-conscious finger thing. I hate my fingers. I think they look like little boy hands. So I used to feel like I need to get them done all the time. And I'm like, you know, I'm not spending 55 to $60 a month now. I'm over it and I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. But I'm making that choice. Yeah. And that's like, and that's like, that's the cool thing of like making that choice. Like it doesn't like, just because another woman or another person like invests like, or buys that thing, it doesn't make it bad. Mm-hmm. It's just like, if that's not your thing, that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be your thing. Like you can, if like, if that's not making you feel good, then like, you don't have to go down that road. Like I did like with makeup, like I yeah. get, swore off makeup after college and now my job is more, I have to do social media and that kind of stuff to yeah. grow my business. And I'm like, I have to do like the, the FaceTime and uh, not the FaceTime, the, the, the stuff. Liz's stories, favorite. Yeah. She's always like, let's do stories. And I have like zero makeup on. And I'm like, yeah. oh, please. I need a filter for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, and that's there what, are and filters I'm for like, this now, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I use and them I'm in like, the morning. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, do I just use a filter and just have like a rainbow on my face? <laughs> yes. Or do I buy makeup? Like, like I really am opposed. And I, I wound up actually buying the makeup. And I like, yeah. and I sat with that and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a value rub or not for mm-hmm. me. Like I, and I still don't know. Like I was enjoying, like it made me feel more put together when I like am working from home by mm-hmm. myself with my two dogs. Like I'm like, Oh, I'm wearing makeup. Like I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I'm like, did I really need this? And like, so I don't know. Like, so $60 later, was that a wasteful purchase? Like, yeah. I don't know yet, I, yeah. like, but it's, I'm kind of like, it's just a matter of like leaning into that and being like, are these manicures worth it? Like, are these yoga classes worth it? Are these, is all this craft beer worth it? Like yeah. whatever it is that we, that we invest in, it, you know, it's, it, we kind of don't know till we, pre- until we, you know, hand over our credit card or, or mm-hmm. hand over the cash. And then mm-hmm. we're like, oh, like this didn't have the return that I was expecting. But, That's yeah. really a good way to look at it because again, there are certain things like my yoga classes are worth it for me. And maybe for somebody else, it's not. But then maybe somebody else having really beautifully manicured nails makes them feel on point and like ready to work every day. And yeah. so it's like, take a step back. Do you feel kind of icky after you purchase these things or are you riding high on life and loving everything? So that's yeah. a great way to look at it. Do you think that... Because I get really, for as a millennial, and I'm assuming you're also a millennial. Yes. <laughs> I get super salty when people talk about millennials. Like it's my pet peeve. Yeah, yeah. It's like stop complaining um, about us. Do you think, because I feel like when it comes to money, they're like, oh, you know, they're not in houses and they're not doing traditional things. You my dad right now. Right. <laughs> so do you see something, is it that our generation is truly handling money differently or is it the same issues just manifesting differently than maybe the baby boomers or Gen X? I don't think we know yet. I think we're too in it. And I think there's like the really, I think economics is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. I get get like really nerdy about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, because we have like this whole big student loan bubble now Mm -hmm. where like we have like, so they're like, oh, you guys don't have mortgages. You don't have houses yet. Like, no, we do. They're called student loans. Like It's so true. we that do you gave them, us. Like, yeah, <laughs> that you talked us into. Like you said, <laughs> that this would pay off and it didn't. And the same thing with, with houses. Like I still have 
like the whole house, uh, the the home ownership thing, Mm -hmm. that's like a big, my fears also, because Mm -hmm. like, like people say like, oh, you know, renting is throwing away money. Like, no, it's not. You have a roof over your head. You're getting something for Mm -hmm. the money. Yes. Like you're throwing money away is paying rent and being homeless. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like such, so true. And the other girl that we talked to about financial health is like, said the same Mm -hmm. thing about renting, like two people we've talked to now and me and Liz are both renters and Mm -hmm. I don't, I love renting. You don't have the responsibility of like fixing things. And like, if you want to move, like your lease is up or you buy out your lease. Like you don't have to put your house on the market and, and worry about the value of your house. And like, the thing, and what's crazy for me is that like, I still have friends who are like, oh, I have to buy a house now. Like renting's throwing away money. And I'm like, you saw how this panned out 10 years ago, right? Like you know that like the housing prices don't just keep going up and you, you know that like you're paying interest on this. Like you, you, you know, you're paying taxes on this and like, and, and you're, you're not just like accumulating wealth. Like if you're going to stay in, in a house for like 10 years or 20 years, like, of course, home ownership is totally the way to go. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're like going to move around or like you don't like if you're going to relocate for work or if you want to be if you just don't want the stress of being stuck in one place like yes. there's nothing wrong with renting like you know thyself yeah <laughs> yeah yep. and like, i'm right yeah. there in that situation is we're just not ready to settle down yet it's just not the right time and I'm turning 29 tomorrow, by the way. Um, thanks. And my husband's, you know, turning 30 in September. And a lot of times it's like, okay, so now you're married and now you're going to buy your house. No, I'm. that's just not happening. Like that's not in our near future. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah. I just wanted to know a very practical question. Okay. Okay. Go. Um, this is sort of veering off topic a little bit, but I think this will resonate with a lot of listeners. What... A lot of us are in debt, whether it's student loans or credit cards, the majority, if not like, yes, the majority of people I talk Mm -hmm. to around my age are struggling with debt. Mm -hmm. And what is your biggest piece of advice when it comes to paying off debt, but also saving money, having a savings account? And then I get confused with, okay, so I have like this retirement money that's going to be safe and happy over here and I'm not going to touch. Then I have my savings account and then I have debt. So what do I do with all of those things? What is the most important? When it comes to the retirement piece, I always just say, especially like for, for people who are like younger than 45, is to basically like just at least get what your employer is matching, if anything. So like that's my big takeaway. Like if you can swing that, which usually you can like, cause it's usually like three to 6%. Like you're not, that's before taxes. Like you're not going to feel that the savings versus debt piece is another like case by case mm-hmm. thing. But what I encourage people to do is like, you can get like, use like a, a debt snowball calculator, or there's like tons of calculators for this, for like debt online, like, and figuring out how much interest you're going to be paying, like based, like based on different monthly payments make like increasing your monthly payment or paying it down with like a lump sum every now and then but like knowing how much interest you're paying and like how that feels to you mm. and like like I, like because that was what what worked for me when I was paying my student loans was that like I had thirty thousand dollars of student loans and like if I made the standard payment which was my plan like I only had to pay like two hundred dollars a month um for like 28 years but that would have cost me $50,000. And I was like, I am not paying $50,000 for a woman's studies degree. That's like, insane to think that's about. That's not going to happen. Yeah. 
So like I, I encourage that. And then also like when, when it comes to like saving, like knowing what you're saving for. So like a lot of people think like, you know, for a car or a house, like my thing with savings is like, look back over your expenses if you can and see what got you into debt. Mm. So like save for those things, because usually the things that like get us into debt, like sure, like it's the daily spending like that, but like, it's usually like the, the tire that, that, that goes flat or like the medical expense, like the, the deductible that you have to pay or something Mm -hmm. like that, where like, it's like more of like a, not big ticket expenses, but like bigger. And like, and our lives are so stressful and everything that like, we're not really paying attention and all these up, but like, you need to have a goal. You need to have something that you're working for. And if you're not, if you don't have anything to, that your work that like, nothing's like lighting you up that like, Oh, I really want to save for this thing. Then focus on the debt. Mm. Oh, good. All these truth bombs today that are just making so much clarity in my mind right now, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think money plays a role in, because we've talked a lot about wellness subjects tonight. Yeah. Um, Do you think money is a part of someone's wellness? Because it seems so, I feel like we make money very cold and, I mean, even like physically like coins or like Mm -hmm. cold and sterile Mm -hmm. and, um, and they don't feel like a part of our health in any way. But what really role is. do you think that finances play in just your mental clarity or your health overall? Well, I think like like if you think about the last time that you were stressed about money, like what that physically felt like, like I, like you have like that tension in your stomach yeah. or like you're uncomfortable and you like you have you're anxious and it's like and and you have like all those you have, there's physical feelings that go along with that anxiety. And I don't have the science on this, like, but I, from my understanding of of things I've read and and like health practitioners that I've worked with is like that stuff um, manifests in our bodies into physical ailments. So like, right. So like, if you are like constantly stressed about money, like that's, you're you're going to feel that physically. And like, like there's only so much of that that you can um, tolerate for like you, you know, you, you get insomnia or you get headaches mm-hmm. or you get indigestion or whatever, like, like that, there's that piece, like of a, a literal physical ailment mm-hmm. associated to, to financial stress. But it's also just like, like the mental clutter of it. Like, and, and I think like when, with our finances, like we're always working towards something like we're never like, I, I hear people say all the time, I just want to have enough money that I can relax. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, that's never going to come. Like, like there's always going to be something like even if you won the lottery and had sixty million dollars, like there's still going to be something that's going to that like you have to do to be responsible for that sixty million dollars that's going to add stress to your life. Like it's a matter of like learning how to deal with that stress. Mm-hmm. So like, and this could go on the other side of like dealing with the mental wellness and the, and the physical wellness first, and then like it kind of all branches out into each other. Like it's like a chicken or the egg type thing. Yeah. I think or like like I don't like once you start focusing on your on your physical wellness you're like oh because then you'll start noticing that like you don't feel well when you're thinking about the money stuff and then that's like what like shines a light on that like oh this is the next area I need to work on or the other way around where you're like oh like I'm getting this money stuff right but like I still don't feel well like because that was something that I dealt with where like I was focused on the money stuff first and I was like why am I still so stressed about money like I have the savings. I have no debt. Like I'm still stressed about this. And then I realized like, it's the the mental stuff of like me not feeling like, like me, like it all came from a place of fear that like, I'm going 
something bad is going to happen. Like there's going to be another economic collapse and, and, and I'm going to lose everything. And, and then like deal, like I had to deal with like my mental health and my, mm-hmm. and like my mindset piece, because like, I'm being like, okay, like I can't control everything. And like, that was the most liberating thing of being like, can't control it. Like, this is what I have. Is there anything I can do to change this right now? No, move on. Like if there is something I can, okay, like I'm going to do it. Like I'll, or I'll make that payment now or I'll, um, put this thing on auto pay, like, or I'll cut off these expenses or whatever. Like if there's no actionable step that you can take in that moment of being like, okay, like, but then, but th- so that's my whole point. I'm rambling about this, but like, no, I'm with you. It goes in all different directions. So it's kind of like once you do one thing, you start like putting all the other pieces into place. Well, and I was going to say that it's been a concept I've been thinking about a lot recently because I've found that humans in general just like to have something to complain about or like to have something Mm -hmm. to worry about. And I've noticed that in my own life. So, and I've even thought, I remember one time I just was like, I can't wait to pay off this credit card. I can't wait to pay off this credit card. Then I paid off the credit card and you have that high, but then you're almost like, Oh, now okay, what? Now what? Because you like that challenge. Exactly. Like you like the way that, and you like the way it felt when you overcame that challenge. Exactly. So we keep going back to the challenges that right. we overcame so that we can keep, so that because we like the way it felt when we overcame Oh, them. we sabotage ourselves. <laughs> we do. Yeah. No. And what it all comes down to, and it's exactly what you said. It's literally all about mindset. And I think it has, it's some sort of like concept with I don't want to say spirituality or like whatever it is for you, but it's just really learning to be content in who you are. So whatever that means to you, it's like, what makes you happy? Like what makes you happy as a person? What are you on this earth to do? Mm -hmm. And then of course you're going to have your goals. Like you'll have your financial goals. You'll have your health goals. You'll have all of these goals, but it's not like you're not living purely for to all of these Mm -hmm. goals, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And that's like playing a video game where like, you like get yeah. through a level and then you're like, okay, now you're on to the next level. Like when I was growing up, I played video games. Like I played the same level over and over again. Like it made me too anxious <laughs> to have to like do the do next Do something level. new. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like I know, I know this, like this is fun. Like I can beat this. Yeah. I can build coins or like I played Song of the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Like that was my, that was my thing. But like now I've like, I have to like remind myself of like, I'm ready for the next challenge. Mm-hmm. Like I handled this challenge because I handled this challenge, like I overcame this, I can do this. I survived it. Once I'm in it, it's okay. Like I can do the next, I could probably do the next one. Mm-hmm. I can probably handle the next one. So like whatever that is. And, it, and that's what makes like that, that variety in life is what makes life interesting. And then, yeah. and like when you get to that point, like you're not like, that's when you stop complaining about like the struggle because the, the struggle becomes fun a little yeah, bit. You start enjoying it. It's like mm-hmm. a little masochistic, but like, but it's true. But like, there is like, it's not always going to be a struggle. Like there's going to be like the, you're going up the mountain, then you come back down mm-hmm. the mountain and you go up another mountain. Like it's just a constant journey. Um, that the hero's journey, I think yeah. they call it. But like, yeah. there's always like, the chapters in our lives. It's like, all right, I'm ready for the next chapter. And it doesn't always have to be like a limit, like, you know, uh, in one direction, like it, you we're going to go in all different ways. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to slip up. We're going to make bad calls, but like that we're still going to get through it and we're going to learn from it. And like, we just have to keep, like we can't just keep staying in the same chapter. Yeah. Yeah. All of this again, just reminds me how much everything is related to that 
that same concept. We hold so much pressure on ourselves and we're all, a lot of us do. And it's whether it's finances or whether it's health or body image, whatever it is, it's like, the whole concept is just being able to trust in yourself, be okay with going up and falling back down and really just living this journey to the best of your ability. That's all we're here to do. Like, let's all give each other a break. Yeah. Now, I do have a question kind of to wrap things up. So financial coaching, how does someone know, I got to call Michelle right now? (laughs) Or like, how does what you do differ from what people think of as their stodgy financial planner in a bank? Like what is the Mm. difference and how does someone know what they need? I don't really think anyone needs a financial planner. I think financial planners are kind of like a crutch for people, at least in this day and age with Mm. the technology that we have available and all the apps and like the financial technology is just awesome. And we can do a lot of stuff on our own. People also like to like, especially when they're investing and which is really all financial planners do is like the the investing and insurance piece, like the other stuff, like with the spending, like if you go to a personal trainer to like be yelled at, to be like boot camped into going to the gym, like mm-hmm. a financial planner is probably your best bet because like that's something that we're like, if you want to be shamed into doing <laughs> something that like the financial plan is probably going to, you want to go. I don't work with shame. Like if I feel ashamed, if someone makes me feel shame, I just, I'm turned off and mm-hmm. I don't want to, to work with them. And I feel like a lot of women resonate with that. And I don't, and it, it's not totally like a gender thing. I do mm-hmm. think that men prefer to not be shamed right. into doing something also. Ask my husband. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the, the coaching piece, I think, is like when you realize that like you want to do something and you you know you want to do it, but you can't seem to get there whatever you've tried in the past just isn't working. That's usually when you need to bring a coach in. Mm. And what I love about coaching is this idea that like, I feel like with financial planners, it's like, oh, I have my quarterly financial planner appointment. Like I feel like coaching is so much more intensive and you do so much self-discovery work that you may from time to time need a tune-up or like a revisit just to like, rehash out some of those ideas, but it's not like, this is my person that I'm dependent on or else I totally fail. Like you've done the healing yourself. Yeah. And it's like this conversation that we had, like the two things that I'm taking away from again, is this whole, like, it's not always linear. And then the fact that it's like, you have to be kind to yourself and, and sometimes you make decisions and it's okay if your bank account goes down and then it goes up. It's like, I've took, I am taking that away from this conversation. And I feel like that's what a financial coach does. It's they help you, they help you break down your mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the habits, like my big thing is, is creating habits. So like, and and like habits are good in any area of life, but like, right. But like, it's, it's the embodiment of the people we want to be, like the, the ideals that we want to be, the values we want to be, like where I feel like the, planning piece and like the the advisor piece is more like doing mm-hmm. rather than being because like mm-hmm. you're not like you're doing things but like you're not really being it you know whereas like and I like what my herbalist from a few years ago I remember like when I was leaving my corporate job and she was coaching me through that and she was like we are human beings not human doings mm, and like that's that. something that like resonates with mm-hmm. you like I think that the coaching route like and I think the same thing goes with like therapy like 
there are times like with mental illness that like a therapist or a psychiatrist or is totally necessary. But yeah. like, if you're stuck in your life, like I feel like, like if there's something you want to be, not something you want to do, just like, just do, I feel like the coaching mm. route is, is, is the way to go because like, you're really becoming the change. Yeah. And again, with health coaching, it's like, yeah, sometimes you need to go to your doctor. You need to go to a specialist to deal with these specific health issues. But if you're looking to change your habits and break down your mindset and really be that person, be that best version of yourself, that's like where the coach comes into play. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great way to look at it. Yeah. I think like coaching is, it's like more of like a listening thing of like, like a thing and like and supporting whereas the planning and the doctors and like that kind of stuff is more like telling like mm-hmm. like instructing and, and, and that kind of stuff whereas like like you, you still you come with your symptoms you come with your ideas you come with your struggles but like they have the solution already like yeah. it's not like a customized approach. it's not like a Coaching is very individualized. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always say to people, it's like when you go to your doctor, like they're there for a reason. They're there to make you feel better. It's like, this is my symptom. This is what you do. But then when you go to a coach, it's like, let's break down why the symptoms in the first place, you know? And like the other other doctors or financial advisors, that's not their job. That's not why they're, they're not there to diagnose why the financial issue is there in the first place. They're just there to be like, do this and you can make it better. Mm -hmm. Or a doctor's like, take this and you will make this better. Yeah. Total sense. Yeah. Getting to the root. It's a great comparison. Well, where can people learn? First of all, like your website, there's lots of cool downloadable stuff. There's programs. There is a mindful money thing currently you can download. Yeah. There's two freebies. So I I just, I just opened a whole like self-study storefront on, on the a virtual storefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a couple, there's the mindful money makeover and the money goals training mm-hmm. that are both free. They're fun. And they're <laughs> like, they totally set the foundation for like, it's kind of like the money goals thing I say is like where we all need to start. Like when we're already in the thick of our finances, because like it, it, it would be nice to have, like, have all this information about like mindset and methods, like when we were teenagers before we became adults, but right. like we didn't get that. Yeah. So once you're in the thick of it, like once you already have the bills that you have to pay and you already have your debt or whatever it is, you have the job, you have like, I'm like, when you're in the thick of a financial life, like the money goals training, I think is like the ideal place to start mm-hmm. where it really just reframes the way to start, to really starts to just sh- shift the way that we approach our finances. Nice. And then you have other, obviously coaching is an option. And then I think there's like, isn't there kind of an abbreviated coaching option, like a course. Like intensive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do um, like a VIP day type thing where it's like we go through the numbers and make a plan. So you're not like frantically Googling everything and like <laughs> going in circles of like, what am I, like, should I pay debt off first or should mm-hmm. I, do, you know, save? And it's kind of just a way to, to make a decision and put a plan in place and go for it. Mm, I like that. Yeah, because everybody needs different things. Sometimes people are looking for the whole coaching shebang and sometimes people just need that like one intensive, you know, mm-hmm. hour or whatever to figure some stuff out. Yeah. Now, can people find you on social? Are you on social? Yes. So my website's theholisticwallet.com based on facebook.com slash theholisticwallet. But character limits on Instagram and Twitter. So <laughs> on those, I'm just at holisticwallet. 
Perfect. Very cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us. I feel like, um, feel a lot calmer about my financial situation. Definitely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to that episode with Michelle. I hope that you guys got a lot of value out of the information that she had to share. I hope you're feeling a little bit at ease. If you are nervous about your finances, just know that wherever you're at, we are ebbing and flowing just like we are in health. It's the same thing with wealth and we're all doing the best that we can. And we have lots of tools and ways that we can feel more comfortable in our financial situation. Absolutely. So if you'd like to learn more about Michelle, of course, you can go to the holisticwallet.com. Check her out there on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. In the meantime, you can hit us up on all of our places. And you heard those in the beginning of the episode. You sure did. And of course, I will always say, please give us some love on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know that you like and want to hear more of the podcast, give Mm -hmm. us a little five-star review. Mm -hmm. Um, And we love hearing feedback that way. It really helps us to show up higher and get our name out there more so that more people can listen to the Wine and Shine podcast. Because we love the Wine and Shine podcast. Surely do. And we love you. (laughs) So see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Bye.